Hi, and welcome to episode 142 of No Crying in Baseball, the sports are the reward of a functioning society episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Here we are again. COVID land, but, you know, we're doing, we're making best of it. Yeah, when we say here, we're actually waving to each other, you know, online because we still can't be in the same dang room, which is too bad. But at least we have smiling faces and we can still do cheers and like wave beer at each other, which is nice. We can. We can. And we're going to be just ranting a lot today because because things are kind of shitty out there. And and speaking of shitty things, I just want to do a little shout out to Tanaka, who got hit in the in the head this past week, but he's doing better. This is the Yankees pitcher who is hit by a, a line drive during batting practice off of Gian- Giancarlo Stanton, who immediately collapsed afterwards looking awful. And I just want to also put out there that the issue of privacy is important, folks. And the, the video went up and it was up for a moment. And then a lot of Yankees, including G- Glaber Torres, said, you know, we don't want to see this anymore. This is really painful, as people kept retweeting it. And we need to respect that. This is a traumatizing event. I mean, I can't even imagine watch, having to watch what happened. And I mean, I guess we're going to be commenting on people's attitudes in general today. But come on, folks, just have a little bit of compassion. This is a rough thing that they went through. And I'm just glad to hear that he's on the mend. Yeah, it turns out that he had a concussion and so far nothing worse than that. So we are we are grateful and we wish you well. On today's show, the shit show, that is the MLB testing protocol. How bad is it? Who's out and what's next? You may have heard the minor league season has been canceled. And to tell us about that from the ground, we have our interview with our friend from the Pulaski Yankees, our general manager, Betsy Ha. We're going to talk about this moment in time when teams may finally change their racist names. Maybe. And as always, international baseball. So, okay, everybody reported, well, not everybody reported, many players reported at the end of last week to, they're calling it summer camp. I'm not, I'm calling it training. They reported to training. And if you remember, we talked about it briefly last week, that to get to training, to get in that front door, all the players had to go through intake testing. They had a test negative for COVID to get in the front door. And from then on out, testing every two days. So on Friday, MLB released these numbers that were actually pretty good. They said, hey, so we tested over 3,000 samples and there's only a 1.2% rate of positive tests. And comparing that to other leagues, the NHL at that time was 8.8%. And NBA was 7.1%. And the WNBA announced today they were at 5.1%. Huh. And then we found some things out. Over the course of the weekend and into today, we're recording on Monday night. So our information is mostly current as of Monday afternoon. We find out that all of those tests, all the tests that were done had not been tested, had not been evaluated yet, right? That's the first round. A lot of the intake testing hadn't been completed yet. So when MLB said, we've got a 1.2% rate, what they meant was the portion of the tests that we've actually processed had a 1.2% positivity rate. They're not all back yet. And some players who did intake testing had their second test already done, like they they did their, their swab, before they even got the results of the first test yet. 
And as of today, at least the Cardinals, the Astros, the Nationals, and the A's canceled workouts today on Monday for their infield staff because they hadn't gotten test results back from this past Friday. But they had done some stuff together, right? It's not like they waited until they got the test results before anybody was in contact with anybody. Isn't that right? Well, to get in the door, they had to do the intake testing. And so I think the pitchers and catchers had been working out, but not necessarily the position players yet. I think that might be the case. And also a lot of the guys that were coming in from overseas, like that, that first round, that intake testing, they had to arrange on their own wherever they were, right? So these uh. repeat tests, they, you know, they're all doing together. They're doing at the ballpark. They're being sent together. If they're getting sent, because what did we find out today? That the A's tests that were done on Friday were still sitting at the San Francisco airport yesterday because there was a 4th of July holiday that no one bothered to say, hey, if you want these things shipped and returned, you need to check a different box on your FedEx slip, buddy. So they sat there and sat there. And so now these guys have lost days and hours in an already only three-week prep training season. Because it's really ready. hard to remember what day the 4th of July is going to fall on, right? It I might mean, have fallen on, I, I don't know. I don't know, the, the third Wednesday or something of the <laughs> month, the way those, those crazy holidays work. So the Angels and the Yankees have both said that the people who were supposed to conduct those tests, the every two day tests, didn't show up. So their guys administered their own tests. Now, that's not a huge deal because a lot of like local testing, they ha they hand you the swab, they have you do the swab and put it in, you know, the, the bag or the container or the whatever. But these guys weren't trained for it. They had nobody guiding them to do it. Like if you go to a local testing center, they will tell you what to do. These guys just had a swap and said, okay, you know, swirled it around. And is that, is that, is that what we're going to work with right now? And the angels having had that happen and having the test results not come back yet decided, okay, we'll make our workouts optional. They didn't cancel them. They said, we'll make them optional. If you feel weird about it, don't come. So that's a real controlled thing. I mean, how many pages was this health and safety document? You've, I mean, we started at 67. You ended up saying it was like over 100 somewhere. You yep. would think on one of those pages, there would be something about whether you can be in contact with other people if your test results haven't come back yet, which seems to be totally varying from team to team at this point. Am I right? You are right. And so as of Friday, we started to hear about players whose intake testings came back positive. And today we're starting to get the that second round of testing, like the round that was done once everybody was already taken in. Yeah, that's it. Into the ballpark. Um, and some of those were coming up positive. Yeah, as of the only numbers that I have are as of the 4th of July. This sounds very patriotic, doesn't it? As of the 4th of July, 31 players and seven staff were positive from 19 different teams. But I think that's because they only had the results from 19 teams. Yeah, they that left point. that part out. They, they, <laughs> they've issued a statement this afternoon saying, well, as of yesterday or today, we've processed 98% of the tests. But they didn't actually say, what was the percent you actually reported on on Friday when you had this miraculous 1.2 positivity rate? Yeah. And then it comes down to the names that have been coming out. And you flagged it really early on with Charlie Blackman about, wait, why do we know his name and not other people's names? What about the pri privacy regulations? So MLB isn't releasing the names. So it's not clear. Do you know, is it team by team that are releasing names or is it just leaks or... 
No, no, it's not leaks. Um, actually, they're being good about this. It, okay. If the players agree to it, their okay. names are being released. And I feel good about the player. I, I, I want people to do what feels comfortable for them. But I do think it's important Absolutely. that if you are a player who feels comfortable saying I tested positive, that makes a statement to a lot of people who may be thinking, oh, these guys are young and healthy. It can't happen to them. It's not going to happen to me either. I'm fine. But if so, you're only hearing the names of people who have agreed to let their names be shared. Yeah. And so we have our baseball boyfriends. And for anybody who might be tuning in for the first time, what Patty and I usually do is each choose one guy per team that we follow through the season. And these are our guys. And it's the guy that we want to hang out with. There's something special about them. It's not just creepy. It's not creepy at all. No, we are not. It's not creepy. only creepy. It's also <laughs> <laughs> You're not creepy. It's fun. We we look at really, you know, fun characteristics, something that makes me want to just ha- go to a bar and hang, hang out and have a beer with this guy. Um, so at this point, you know, instead of like looking at how our baseball boyfriends are playing and working on our fantasy baseball boyfriend league, we are looking at which one of our boyfriends are sick. God, this sucks. Um, and of course, testing positive doesn't mean that you're actually symptomatic. Um, unfortunately, in your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend from last season, Freddie Let's Freeman's call him case. Former. Wait, wait, pause, former. pause. I want to say former because mm-hmm. I have a new category of boyfriends who are ex-boyfriends who mm. I don't necessarily have. I, something may have happened that I don't want to re- retain that amiable, like, can we still be friends relationship, but a former boyfriend. So Freddie Freeman is a former boyfriend, not an ex. He's, he's a good sense. guy. Because by our boyfriend rules, which are very complicated, y'all have to just listen to us for a little while to catch it all. But we have to change every year except for one guy because it kind of forces us to play the field, so to speak, and learn about more guys and do more do more profiles. So uh, Freddie Freeman is an example of somebody who not only tested positive, but is really suffering from this disease. And his wife's posts are very clear about how much this is affecting him. And it's really heart-wrenching. Um, and we'll, we'll go on in, in a minute about how that's affecting his teammates as well. So you have a bunch of guys who have tested positive. He's the only one who have seen a story like that with his wife explaining how much is affecting him. But William Zastudillo of the Twins, Tortuga, he is positive. DJ LeMayhew, the Yankees. And Tommy Pham is the ironic one of the Padres. And he was your guy last year. Two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, so that's good. You're, you've got some distance from fam because he's he was ironically apparently tweeting conspiracy theory stuff about COVID. Bit him in the butt, didn't it? Mm, come down with it. I guess, you know, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. The only guy I saw from my picks, and I think this was from two years ago, is was Salvi Perez from the Royals, which is just, I don't know, when you, when you hear about your guys, like I feel super attached to them now because – we know their backstories and we've been following them. So that makes me kind of sad. And and by the time this podcast drops, who knows, there's probably more names coming out there. So I want to talk about what the COVID IL looks like, but I'm going to need another beer for that. So I'm having another that beer. That totally makes sense. The health protocols in this negotiation between the union and the teams came up with a COVID IL, which doesn't have a set number of days but to be on this injury list, you have to either, you could get on it three different ways. You can test positive, you can have exposure to someone who tested positive, or you could be showing symptoms that require isolation and like, further assessment and all of that. So there are three ways you can get on the COVID IL. Now, players and teams have said 
that you're not allowed to specify the cause of someone going on the injured list if it's not, and I quote, employment related. So like if you pull a hamstring, you did that during practice or during a game. So you say that you say that, you know, so-and-so is on the 10 day IL because they have a pulled hamstring or an oblique thing or a strain or whatever it is. But if it's cancer or, you know, some other thing that's not related to you playing ball, they don't specify what it is. So they can't say this player is going on the IL because they have tested positive for COVID. But because they are saying other things and not saying that, it leads to a lot of speculation. So we've got some, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, people who have had injuries that are in fact on the, on the IL. But if you're, if a player gets moved there without a cause, everyone is immediately going to think, they tested positive, even if the team has not released their names because they didn't want their name released. Um, Complicated. And right now they're just calling it, they're putting people on the 10 the day IL is what they're saying, because to get back off of that list, you have to test negative twice, 24 hours apart. You've had to have no fever for 72 hours and you have to have a doctor sign off on it for you to return. And if you're on this COVID IL because you were exposed to someone tested positive you can get off of that in 10 days if you don't end up coming down with it yourself, right? And that's all you need to show. Are you going to show? Maybe. Isn't Maybe. it a 14-day window that you need? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little yeah. Bit? yeah. 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 That's a bad example. I just was bad sciencing there. Well, but, I don't know. But, they, but they're doing it, though, because there are names on the 10-day IL who are COVID names right now. Right, but they don't. But they can stay for longer or less if it's okay. um, if it if it's in fact the COVID IL because there's not a set day. You just have to meet the criteria. So actually, a better example would have been the symptoms that require isolation. Like if you have a fever, for instance, and then it goes away in two days, and you don't test positive or anything, you can come off. You don't have to stay there for ten days or fifteen days or whatever. So that you, you'll see a lot of people getting put on the IL, and you're just not going to know for sure unless they self-identify as having tested positive if that's why they're on the list. So we just need to chill. And I think a lot of people are going to get on that list because, um, you know, from what we're learning about the bad testing, but also bad protocols. I mean, like Doolittle, uh, Sean Doolittle, one of our favorites from the Nats, had a long, long conversation about what he sees. Which is lack of, well, it started with lack of PPE, right? Personal protective mm-hmm. equipment. Is that it? That they, they're supposed to have stuff like, hey, masks, <laughs> you know, and I, and I worried about this as like a, in the public schools. So if, if MLB can't handle this, how the fuck is anybody else going to? And what Doolittle said that was super interesting was what we've been saying since the very beginning. Like, why talk about anything else if the health stuff isn't settled? So he said that the, the problems were due to these negotiations being too focused on money and not enough on health and safety protocols. And it makes no sense to talk about anything if you don't have health and safety first. That's right. That's right. And the quote that I used to kick off the episode is actually something that Sean said that got picked up by a lot of people. So you didn't hear it from me first, which are sports are kind of like the reward for, you know, of a functioning society. We need to get things working first so we can have sports. We're trying to force sports on top of a society that's not working right now because we don't have a handle on this pandemic. And he's completely right about that. And damn it, I want it on the t-shirt. 
Yeah. And well, we've been saying, and I think this is another really good phrase, is that we haven't earned baseball, that Taiwan, Mm -hmm. and we'll go into them later, earned baseball. Like the society as a whole made a commitment and then baseball worked its way in in a very measured and reasonable manner. We haven't done that in this country. We have not earned sports yet. And people are asking that question. It's like, well, Taiwan can do it. Korea can do it. Why, Why don't we just do what they're doing? It's like, well, because we're not doing, we didn't do what they did. Not so thank you. Close. Thank you for proving that point. So players are allowed to opt out of playing this year for two reasons. One is a health reason. If they are at risk from, from some other underlying health condition, if that is the case, they can sit out the season and still get paid and still get service time. They can also sit out if they just don't feel comfortable playing under these circumstances. In that case, they give up their salary. So these guys that you, y'all are pushing around saying, oh, neener, neener, you know, suck it up and play, they're, give, they're, they're giving up. They're saying no to millions of dollars in some cases. Now, let me just couch that the players who have million dollar contracts, bazillion dollar contracts can also afford to say no much more than the rookies, the new guys who are just starting out. And if they don't play, what does that mean for their future? When you see a veteran opt out, they have a lot more leeway to do that. They've made their mark and they have money in the bank. These young guys may feel like they have less of a choice to opt out. Sean Doolittle is one of those guys who can afford to opt out if he wants to, but he's made it clear. So I want to play. I have been working out. I've been doing everything I can to stay in shape and play. But if these things don't change and I don't feel comfortable, I am going to opt out. Yeah, despite what the trolls on Twitter say. And he has a wife with a medical condition that they've been very open about. But right. people are still giving him shit. And that just, it's infuriating. Nobody should be able to comment on this who doesn't have a medical degree and serious experience in epidemiology. Yes, damn it. I want to follow up on what Potty Mouse said before about, you know, with with Freddie Freeman and what he's going through having an effect on his teammates. Nick Marcakis today said, I'm opting out and I'm not chasing money anymore. So I can do that. I've got three kids that I haven't really spent much time with for 11 years playing ball. And I spent time on the phone with Freddie and he sounded terrible. And this is not worth it. And that's scary as shit. It's scary as shit. And so he is sitting out and more power to him. And I'm glad he has that option. And there there are other Braves who have done that too. So I think this list that I have of players opting out from Baseball America, which is updated daily, and we'll put the link in there. It it looks like most of these folks are opting out by choice. Um, In the Braves, along with Nick Marquecas, King Felix Hernandez, who is just starting with the Braves, isn't playing. And there's a coach, Eric Young. The D-backs have one pitcher, Mike Leake. And then the the really well-known example from the Dodgers is David Price. And David Price, if you follow him on social media, he is all about his kids. He's got a son who's very young and he's got a baby daughter and he is super dedicated to his family and it's really heartwarming. And he literally realized that this is what's important. Family is important. Health is important. He's willing to forgo this money. Um, It sucks. And I love you Red Sox, but it sucks that Red Sox fans are kind of celebrating this as getting off the hook because they don't have to pay the money, right? That's kind of shitty, folks. And and giving him shit for this period is not okay. It's, it's It was a painful decision. I think all of these people want to play baseball. 
it's it's ingrained. You wouldn't get to this level if you weren't totally committed. And I don't I don't want anybody giving David David uh, Price any shit. And uh, questioning his chops is completely mm-hmm. inappropriate because if you remember, he was the one who gave a thousand dollars to every single Dodgers minor league player. Did not want any notoriety for it, but it got leaked, and so people found out that he did it. But he just did it because it was the right thing to do and Despite he's doing this never playing for the Dodgers right? right right and it is true that the Red Sox are going to save 5.7 million dollars and they're going to be able to spend that money on other people but hey that's a bad take people that is also true but can you leave that out of the initial conversation please yeah absolutely nobody should be celebrating this or getting down on anybody and and even David Price's wife has been getting shit on social media it's I don't know social media can be an ugly place um, there's a coach from Cleveland, Brad Mills, who's out. I'm not sure if that's uh, by because of health issues or not. And then uh, in the Nats, there are three players, Joe Ross and Zimmerman and Wellington Castillo. Uh, the Rockies famously Ian Desmond, who has a, you know, everybody should read that several times over. And I do know that there are two coaches from the Twins who were told to stay out so that they will be paid because of age and conditions. What I don't get are these coaches who are working remotely because of stuff like that. Like I know the Mets, Chili Davis is working remotely. How do coaches work remotely, especially if they're like a first base coach during a game? What do you yeah, I don't know how that happens. I think I could see how co- like batting coaches or coaches that work on um, on technique could work remotely because that's all technology, right? You can be watching somebody swing or right. catch or pitch or something and be able to talk to them about it and help them tune those things up or even watching tapes and getting back to people about things. But yeah, I don't know how that's going to work with I, I, I think first and third base coaches would have to be reassigned to other things. There are some other unanswered questions that we've talked about with this pandemic that I'm just going to recommend a piece that Jason Stark wrote for The Athletic, where he talks to a public health professional about what would it take to shut down a team or shut down a league? What, 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 is, what, what is considered an outbreak? What makes it bad enough? And who gets to make that call? And the only answer that wasn't, it depends, was Rob Manfred gets to make the call. And boy, does he have bad takes about this. His takes all involved phrases like, well, it depends on like the competitive nature. Like if enough guys get sick that they wouldn't be able to compete, you know, reasonably. Like, now, you know what? I, I'm very worried that somebody's going to get so sick or the worst is going to happen. And Rob Manfred is still going to be worried about the competitive nature and maybe, I don't know, pace of play. Who knows? Yeah. So the, what, what I was thinking when you started saying that is when are we going to listen to people who are health experts? It's just it's not happening in this country, period. And and MLB is just a microcosm. All of our sports are a microcosm. I feel really shitty because, you know, for our show, you know, theoretically, we would be keeping up with our boyfriends and would be playing a fantasy league. And I honestly don't I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll watch because I care about these guys, but I would feel super shitty having any invested interest in players this year because who the fuck knows what's going to happen to them. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. And, you know, we're going to keep paying attention because we care. We care about the game. We care about these players. And, you know, we're going to watch the games because we love the game, but we're going to feel bad about it 
And we're not, I would, I, I'm going to come right out and say, I think I would prefer they just called the season right now because clearly this past weekend showed there are too many things out of MLB's control. They cannot stay on top of this. I don't want guys to get sick. I am totally with you. They announced the schedule today. So like they just blithely went ahead and announced the schedule. So that's out there in the world. I just don't get it. I mean, if they have this much time and they can't handle the beginning, how are they going to get their shit together to like make this work as they go along? I don't know. And then you got guys who are washing dishes and getting in trouble for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's the, I I just feel like the season is jinxed at this point. I think this was a really bad sign that Cubs pitcher Jose Quintana had a dishwashing accident. Definitely makes me remember talking about Salvador Perez with his luggage toting accident. I think it was last year, maybe the year before, but a dishwashing accident for five stitches. Like what, what happened there? I, I couldn't find sort of the details. Like, did he reach in the soapy water and grab a knife? But it's a serious thing because he's a pitcher and he lacerated a digital sensory nerve in his left thumb. And when he appears on the IL list, it'll say that as opposed to yeah. no reason disclosed. Yeah. <laughs> and- it makes me remember too, like Trevor Bauer with his drones, right? Like, yes. There are just yep. some, I, but you, you would think that washing dishes would be a safe activity. Apparently not. I don't know. There are some things that the one thing I think that I feel almost okay looking forward to is this idea that the A's have for the season that we actually saw in the CPBL of having cardboard cutouts in the stands. Because if you can't have fans and God, don't go anywhere near anywhere near the uh, fucking baseball stadium this year. So fans are not going to be happening, but A's fans at this point, can buy a cardboard cutout of themselves for between $49 and $129. And the cool thing about this is money goes to charity. So I'm hoping that other teams pick up on it if we have MLB, which I'm feeling very doubtful and critical of. Um, And and the coolest thing about it, though, is the reason why you would pay more money for your cardboard cutout isn't necessarily for it to get a box seat as opposed to a a nosebleed seat. But if if a baseball, if a foul ball hits your cutout, then you get to keep it. So it's kind of like a little lottery, a little gambling going on here. That would never happen to Section 408. Oh, God, no. No foul balls ever ever there. So I'm just going to say that I think the A's may be the coolest team right now because of this and also because they're talking about using their parking lot and there's a a drive-in movie theater next door to the Coliseum that I think is not actually used anymore. And there's rumors about showing games on the drive-in movie screens that you'd be able to see from the parking lot. How great is that? Yeah, that is brilliant. That should be definitely followed everywhere. You're going to hear in a minute about movies at minor league ballparks, not just parking lots of major league ballparks, because you know why? Minor league baseball season has been canceled by the major leagues. The major leagues have said, we are not providing players for you. So mixed feelings. I don't want minor leagues to be canceled if major league ball is happening, but I kind of don't want anybody playing but some parks are going to be used as alternate sites for taxi squads. So if the minor league park is sort of within shouting distance of the major league ballpark, the other guys who aren't on the 30 man or the 28 man or the 26 man, depending on what week it is, are going to be working out at that other park. Um, Some of the guys who are not on their squads maybe can play indie ball. Maybe they can play pickup ball. Maybe they'll get hurt because they're not going to be supervised by major league teams. 
but we don't know enough about this. But you know who does? Our friend Betsy Ha, the general manager of the Pulaski Yankees, who we've talked to a couple times before. And we are so excited to have Betsy back with us today to tell us about minor league ball and their canceled season. We'd like to welcome a special guest to No Crying in Baseball today. We have Betsy Ha back with us again. We're very happy to have her. She's the general manager of the Pulaski Yankees. And if you don't know the background on that, we will link to our back episodes in today's show notes as well. So uh, welcome, Betsy. Thanks so much for joining us again. And how are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, Just adapting to a new normal over here for the summer. Man, it's such a big new normal for you guys. I, I know this is not what you expected when you were putting together your promotions for the year and, you know, getting excited about what to do with the community. And then all of a sudden MLB, well, maybe not all of a sudden, maybe you guys knew about this before. I don't know, but MLB says, sorry, you don't get a team this year. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, right now we would have just wrapped up one of our biggest nights of the year uh, with July 3rd for us. And we would be getting ready to, to do some really cool promotions coming up throughout the remainder of the season. And and it's sad to not be able to do any of that. And definitely the longer the spring went without baseball, the more we kind of saw the writing on the wall. But that doesn't mean you want to accept it. And we certainly did not and, and kind of still don't. Um, but we're excited that the major leagues are going to get started here soon. And just by being able to watch baseball and, and have that little bit of normalcy come back. Can you explain a little bit for us um, what is the relationship between a team, like a minor league team, the Pulaski Yankees, and the actual players themselves? Because you have a team, but not players, right? Yeah, we do. So we actually never got to the point where we had any kind of roster for the 2020 season. Normally that comes about a week or so prior to opening night. And of course, the longer it went without there being baseball and, you know, there were never any rosters finalized or set for the minor league team. So we don't know who we missed out on, but we know we missed out on on some really good talent and a really fun summer. But a lot of the guys are just kind of placed across the country or back home uh, internationally as well, just working out and staying in contact with the team and the Yankees and seeing what opportunities they might have uh, just adapting themselves to a very strange situation where they're not playing baseball this summer in an organized fashion either. What kind of contact do they have with their teams at this time, at this point, if any, the guys who are just not on the 60 man roster, what are they doing to sort of keep up with what's going on? I haven't actually spoken really to too many of them. I know a lot of them remain in regular contact with other teammates, of course, with their agents and with some representatives from the organization. But I think right now everybody's still trying to figure things out a little bit. Obviously, there's that 60 man with the the kind of the taxi squad or whatever you want to call it, where folks are back in summer camp right now. But it's got to be a weird feeling for a lot of these minor leaguers that are used to being at spring training and, and training with these guys and having the big leaguers on a field right next to them. And they're just watching from home like the rest of us. So will minor league teams, will some of them try to field some sort of a team? I mean, I heard that if you wanted to have a team play, your your team itself would have to hire and pay for players for that to happen. So I have not heard that directly, but I would imagine that that would make the most sense. Um, Obviously, the major leagues are not providing players this year, which is where our players come from. So if teams want to incur the costs and go through the process of trying to find these players that are basically free agents right now, a lot of whom were released over the last couple of weeks, 
I guess that that would be an option for them. And you're slowly starting to see some things like that pop up. I think Lexington announced something similar over the past couple days. Um, that's not something that we have looked into here. It's not something that we will look into for this summer, but it definitely is just another way that some of the most creative people in the industry can continue to be creative. One of the things that we loved about our visit to your park last year was what a community center it really felt like. I mean, it felt like that you're an important part of the overall Pulaski community. And a lot of people seem to sort of depend on, for lack of a better word, on the team and on the summer and on the schedule. How is the community reacting to this overall? There's a lot of disappointment in the town of Pulaski and, and really in 160 towns and communities across the country. Um, you can tell that everybody just doesn't have that same energy when it comes to the excitement that we would normally have at the ballpark right now. Um, so I, it's just a resounding feeling of disappointment. And, and we're trying our best to kind of mediate that with different events at Calfee Park whether they be youth tournaments or little league games or even non-baseball events. But it's definitely just not the same for people that are used to spending their summer out here night after night watching the Yankees play. So tell us a little bit about some of those other activities I saw on your schedule. There were some movie nights and, and, some, and some leagues playing there. What, what do you have going on? What are you most looking forward to in the absence of minor league baseball? We have a variety of different events. We're trying to really appeal to everyone. Um, my favorite, what I'm most excited for, is actually our adult softball league. So we're getting that started here in about two weeks, and that'll be really fun to watch. Just It's, you know, average people from the community that just want to play softball, and they can do so on a minor league baseball field now, and that'll be really fun. So that filled up basically in 24 hours. We had six slots oh, wow. and they filled up lightning quick. So if that goes really well, like we hope it will, we might do something similar in September and October for a kickball league too. That's a great idea. A quick yeah. question is, is it co-ed? It is co-ed, yes. Great. Co-ed adult softball league. I might sneak out and, and try to join somebody's team for an inning or two. <laughs> that was my next question. So it would just be sort of like a part-time thing. You're not, you don't have the time bandwidth to commit to a team. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're so short staffed this summer. We never brought on any interns. So myself and really one other person are working pretty much every event that we have doing all kinds of things. This past weekend, we were manning the friars. Um, some of our larger events, when we have a larger group of game day staff, it's a little bit more like normal where we're out and about um, out on the concourse, but we're really doing literally everything this summer. So we decided to leave that slot open to a team for the community and you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how well they do. That makes sense. I, and, but speaking of that, the employment must be a big issue. I mean, how many people did you employ that you're not employing anymore in the community? Yeah, we normally have, shoot, I'll say probably 60 game day staff. And right now we're down closer to about 20 that are getting many, many less hours than what they're used to. I mean, they're working, you know, two or three hours a week when normally it would be night after night after night, especially during those fun six or seven game homestands. So it's definitely an adjustment from that perspective, too, because just not as many people that are able to be involved in the ballpark in the ways that they're used to. I have to ask this because we're all talking COVID protocols and things. So you have these events where you have members of the community and you've got teams playing. How, what, what are you guys doing at the ballpark to make things as safe as you can? 
We have an entire COVID-19 readiness plan that we drafted uh, after consultation with some others in the industry. Um, we borrowed it with permission from the Charleston River Dogs, our, our Yankees family down there. Uh, and we've got social distancing signage. We've got social distancing protocols. Uh, when we refill our famous mason jars, we're not actually taking your mason jar back. We're just giving you a new beer. Um, so we're doing all kinds of things. And, and you think of something new every day, really, for what you can do. But the basics that we have down, you know, hand sanitizing stations, increased cleanliness, increased cleaning, um, social distancing. And really, we're seeing that kind of take care of itself a little bit from the fans being very good about spreading out. We have shade in various parts of the ballpark that people gravitate towards anyways, which helps spread people out. And that's the biggest thing that we're doing right now is just trying to make sure nobody's right on top of you um, and in your business so that people feel comfortable being at the ballpark, knowing that it is a safe place for them to come and still have some fun. That's really encouraging. And I just have to say that I still have my mason jar. So I am hoping that I get to bring it back sometime when things are better and actually get a real refill. Will, will these activities be enough to hold hold you over until next year? I mean, do you have to like reach a certain threshold of we need to bring in this much money in order to be here again next year? Obviously, it's not a fun game financially right now for anybody uh, in the minor league baseball industry, as, as I know you guys know. We do a lot of planning to be able to make money in three months or six months if you're a full season team. And that planning usually involves spending money. So we have bobbleheads that we were going to give out mm. in a week or 10 days that are still on their way over here. And we have other giveaway items that have already been paid for. And we canceled as much as we could, um, but some things you just couldn't cancel. And, and so we're right. getting creative on how to distribute those and potentially still make some revenue off of them. But ultimately, some of our larger expensive expenses have gone down. I mean, staffing is usually a big one for game day events. You have people that aren't in direct revenue generating positions around the ballpark that we don't have right now. But ultimately, I mean, I can only sugarcoat it so much. It definitely hurts. And some of these events are more profitable than others. Some of them are done with the goal of, you know, make a little bit of money or at least just break even so that the community still has something to do. But to answer your question, I don't think there's necessarily a a number that we have to hit or else we're in panic mode. Um, we're just adapting as best we can to everything. And basically by having this event schedule, it really allowed us to do two things revenue wise. One of which was actually still bring in some money from tickets or food and beverage and retail sales, but also retain some of our partnerships by still having the billboards on display. We're turning our program actually into a digital program. So that will be coming here in the next couple of weeks as well. So with those two faces kind of coming together, we're able to still be okay financially, but it's definitely nothing like what we're used to. You know, I'm thinking that just in general, we've talked about how minor league GMs have to wear a million hats and you have to, you know, work on your feet really quickly. And you, especially as an award-winning GM, seem to be sort of uh, well-suited for a crisis like this, where you have to move things around pretty quickly and think out of the box in a big way. And, and take advantage of those relationships that you've cultivated so much. I'm glad it comes off like that. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. You look totally in control. I mean, we've always been impressed by watching you you do your work. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, the, the best part, I think I said something similar to this earlier to some to someone earlier today was that the longer you're in this in this industry, and I guess I count this as year five, I'm not really sure. It's been such a roller coaster. I feel like it should count. But 
the more relationships you develop over that time. And those are people that you talk to just in, in casual conversation. And, and you see, you know, what my friends out at the team in Indiana are doing, what my friends down the road in Salem are doing, you know, Myrtle beach, all these places with people that I talk to pretty much every day. And, and you get to just have those conversations and, and this industry is full of such creative people. It always has been. And now we're only getting more creative that the longer it went, the more we realized, hey, we need to have some contingency plans. We need to have some backup plans. How can we get creative and what can we do? So really, we've had a lot of these ideas on the back burner probably since April, if not before then, right around the time that Major League Spring Training got suspended and we, and we started to realize the severity of, of everything that was going on and the impacts it would have on the sport industry. Um, we started putting some of these ideas in, on paper and, and executing or planning to be able to execute them. And we just hit go a couple of weeks ago when we realized the time was right. And, and hopefully they they'll be fun for the community and, and profitable for our organization. Wow. Yeah. I, we're, we are absolutely with you on this and we feel so much for the minor leagues. I mean, I, we remember a few months ago, the, the thing that we focused on was, oh my God, the Astros cheated. And then it was, oh my God, the minor leagues are going to be like cut like crazy. And then there was a pandemic and the other, those, those things sort of like fell off, but the minor leagues being cut never really fell off. And my, my concern now is that the pandemic, it might be an excuse to say, well, we didn't use them this year. See, I don't know if you have thoughts or feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously still waiting to see what's going to happen as far as those contraction rumors. I do feel pretty confident that things are going to look different next year. How how that will play out, we don't know yet. We're we're waiting to see. But I, I I've said a couple of times it would have been interesting to see how all these contraction rumors and the negotiations would have played out in a year without a pandemic, uh, as they were supposed to and as as we expected them to. But ultimately, right now, I mean that's that's pretty much out of our hands. So we're just trying to control what we can control on the day to day, which isn't easy for somebody like me. I'm a planner. I love knowing what's coming next and how to be prepared for it and what we can do when the time comes. So right now I'm just planning for a variety of different scenarios and I'm optimistic and, and I'm hopeful that once the major league season gets started here on the 23rd, that the parties in, in question and the powers that be will be able to kind of refocus some of their conversations on the contraction talks and the PBA negotiations. And hopefully we'll know something sooner rather than later. So if minor league ball put you as their spokesperson, which I totally would vote for, I think that they should do that. What would be sort of your elevator pitch for next year for what should happen with minor league ball? Oh, there's so many different amazing things about minor league baseball that I would need a very tall building and a very long elevator. ride. <laughs> that's, that's so beautiful. I um, One of the biggest things obviously is, is the community impact that these teams have on the towns and the counties and the communities in which they operate. But probably the biggest is, is the development for the game, both from a fan perspective and from a player perspective. And, and I think the Royals general manager, Dayton Moore, kind of summed it up best a couple of weeks ago when all of those uh, news stories were breaking regarding paying minor league players during this time. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, some of the lower level guys that don't make it to the majors or don't make it to double or triple A, are just as impactful for the game because they go back and they teach lessons and they coach little league and they grow the game in those communities. And that's just a beautiful synopsis of what minor league baseball does in 160 different communities around the country. And it'd be a shame to see that go away at a time where 
I think we all would agree we miss and we desperately need sports to come back and, and to be what we're used to them being and to have that healing effect on society. Betsy, if you ever run for anything and I have the opportunity to vote for you, I'm absolutely going to do it. Wonderful. Absolutely. I'm, I'm behind that as well. And we're totally behind that too. And, you know, in, in so many ways of dealing with this crisis, it's it's up to the communities to make a, a real difference. Like in, in our cities, it's up to the mayors to bring things under control. And then we're looking at state control. So it makes so much more sense for the minor league parks to really be where the progress is going to be made because you have that community, you have that local knowledge of who's around. I, I'm behind you too. I appreciate that. And I agree with your sentiments. I mean, it, the country is so big to mm-hmm. rely on 30 major league clubs to grow the game. Obviously they do a great job, but it's just, there's so much ground to cover. So the more teams you have to be able to do that, I think the better. And, and it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out and what that new map looks like as we get a little bit closer to 2021. Well, I'm sure hoping that next year we can come visit you again and see a game at Calfee Park, which is a beautiful, beautiful place with most excellent sunsets. And if you have an Ag Night, also sign me up for that. Ag Night was supposed to be, oh shoot, I don't even remember anymore. I don't know what day it is now. But sometime in August and the jerseys are already in. So at some oh. point, whenever we need something to put on social media or we think people's spirits need a little boost, we'll put those jerseys for sale online and let people purchase a, what should have been, but unfortunately will not be oh. game-worn Pulaski Yankees pig jersey for this coming summer. Oh, it's a oh. pig jersey? Are you kidding it's me? Jersey. It's, beautiful. it's beautiful. All right. Well, we All follow right. you, so we'll, we'll see so we can get our bids in. I will definitely keep my eyes open and we will definitely have that sort of live pig versus dead pig. Um, Here we go again. Banter between us. Last year it was about the cows. There's, um, I think it's Smithfield that with Virginia Tech right down the road, they do like a, a year supply of bacon as a prize at some point. <laughs> oh my God. That's we sign were, me up. Patty is so there. Yeah, we were, we were trying to get that, but obviously we never really pushed too hard for those uh things to play out knowing that this was most likely the end result for our season but you never know what will happen next year I mean the possibilities are endless I guess I would totally do yoga in your outfield again and with pigs it would be very amusing I think (laughs) yes I think that that would be really fun and you know the fair got canceled here too so there's really no live animals around this summer for anybody to enjoy so I don't know we might have to just do a petting zoo at the ballpark with no baseball behind it (laughs) that sounds fun people would come people would totally come betsy thank you so much for this we uh we really feel for you and we know that you're going to have a great summer doing as much as you can possibly do at calfee park and we appreciate you and we wish you well thank you very much it was good to talk to you guys again great to talk to you thanks for coming Thanks again to Betsy. It's always fun to have you with us and hopefully next year we can do it in person again. The world is shifting and all of those racist names that we don't use on this show for say Cleveland baseball and Washington football might be changed. Pointedly, the Atlanta baseball team has said, we're not considering this at, that, at this time. So they are, they are not jumping in on this moment in history and they're on the wrong side of history and they don't mention the darn chop. Because last year they said, we're going to look into the chop. What happened to that? 
No, I don't know, Nothing. but they're not, but they're not, but look, shiny thing over here. So Washington football, finally doing the right thing isn't happening because of the doing the right thing, but because FedEx who pays a bazillion dollars for naming rights to the football field where the Washington football team plays said, Hey, we're not going to do that if you don't change your name. And Nike pulled all of their Washington football products from their shelves, both physical and digital. And now the owner of the Washington football team is like, hmm, maybe we could change the name. So the same day this happened, the Cleveland baseball team put out a statement saying they are seriously working on this right now. And we talked a few weeks ago about how Chris Antonetti, the um, baseball operations guy from the Cleveland baseball team, was integrally, integrally involved in that unified Black Lives Matter, um, United for Change movement that happened around MLB's draft. And they said, it's got to be more than a statement and fundraising. It needs to be a bigger thing. So Chris Antonetti and the general manager, Mike Chernoff, and also the owner of the Cleveland baseball team have been in actual conversations. They put out a statement saying, we're working on this. We're, this name this name is is probably it's going to get changed and Yay. people are saying yep it's serious this time it's really going to happen and i was thrilled 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 to see um terry francona who we both know and love well we both love we've never met him say this okay this is an old guy old dog new tricks right his quote is even at my age you don't want to be too old to learn or to realize that maybe I've been ignorant of some things and to be ashamed of it and to try to be better. I'm glad we're going to be open to listening. That's probably the most important thing right now is being willing to listen, not just talk. What a good example of, I said one thing for a very long time and now I've changed my mind. I've learned, I've grown, and I'm not afraid to say I was wrong. Let's move on. Yay. Can he be like the poster guy for how to do that? I nominate Terry Francona. That's awesome. He absolutely is. Now there's a conversations about like, what are they going to call the team? I kind of think it's going to end up being the Cleveland spiders because they were the spiders a very long time ago. And that's pretty cool. And just think of the mascot possibilities for that. I, of course, as I've always said, am all behind the Cleveland rocks. That sounds good to me. Another fallout from the minor league being canceled, which I was kind of shocked about is the Mexican league. I didn't realize that the Liga Mexicana de Baseball is so closely affiliated with minor league. It's actually a triple-A league. It's not connected to any team, but it's considered a triple-A league since uh, the late 60s, since 1967. Before that, in the 50s, it was brought on as a double-A team. So the I Liga had no Mexicana idea. I had no fucking clue either. They're, they're 95 years old. This would have been their 95th anniversary year, wow. which is kind of shitty. Dang. So they started without connection to, to U.S. baseball. But in the 50s, they got brought on. So I didn't. I was kind of shocked that that day that minor league cancellation came out, so did Mexican league cancellation come out. So that's the the sad part. And we'll just have to keep a, a, an eye on them for next year. Of course, the happy news is on the other side of the world in Taiwan. And if you're not joining me for breakfast baseball, please do so. It's so much fun. I feel so much better watching baseball knowing that everybody's safe. The fans are safe. There are fans in the stands. They have awesome cheers. I'm trying to learn. They have the best mascots ever. 
And uh, we're still in the middle of the standings. So at the beginning of this season, I picked the Lions and Patty picked the Monkeys. And right now the brothers are in first place, which is sort of their version of the Yankees historically. Monkeys are in second, Lions third. And the Guardians have been having some issues. We talked about that last week. So go to last week's uh Last week's episode, if you want to know more about the Guardians' woes, but they're they're coming up on the Lions, so I, I'm feeling a little stressed. On the 4th of July, they had a thing. They had it to do to celebrate, yay, 4th of July stuff, and they don't have an embassy <laughs> because politics in Taiwan, and we don't recognize it as a separate country, but they have a, a thing, and I can't even remember what the fuck it was called, but this thing had a mascot exchange student kind of deal. This guy called Amigu, which looked like the most clueless American tourist that you could possibly see wearing like this, this raging Hawaiian shirt and this kind of goofy, almost cowboy hat, but more like a bowler hat and a, and a where the fuck am I kind of look on expression on his face. And I kind of think it's a, maybe a little bit of a dig because Amigu, that's like Amigo, which is very, Spanish, which is not in favor of our our entire country was trolled. We were trolled yes. beautifully, and I'm so impressed by it. Rock yeah. on! It was beautiful. He's from Texas, and he represents the cattle industry. But he did not actually participate in the ma- mascot race. So the mascot race was the Lions mascots against the one. one brother's mascot, Sean the Elephant. And the Lions mascots, of course, are the the fish head without the body, Saba Boy, and uh, the lion. And then there was also the of the town, um, Tainan, I think it is, had its own mascot in there. And it was like a president's mas- race, president's race, where it was just, it wasn't really a race. It was a goofy thing. And they pulled off Saba Boy's hat and they made like a toilet paper finish line so that Saba Boy would be faked out. So Saba Boy is Teddy. For any Nats fans out there, I think that Saba Boy is Teddy. There, there's video. I will try to find it so that we can link it. But it was just a festive Fourth of July day, and two, their two big um, MLB heroes who came from Taiwan, Chin Ming Wang, who played with the Yankees, and Hong Ching Ko, who played Kuo, who played with the Dodgers throughout the first pitch. So lovely that they got to celebrate the Fourth of July more than probably most of us <laughs> did in this country. Um, Back over to Korea, the standings. I had picked the Dinos. They're still on top, just barely. The heroes are hanging on second place. And our good friend, not so much Addison fucking Russell, is now in quarantine and ready to jump right in there in a few days, a couple weeks, whatever it is. The Wyverns, your team, are second to last with the Eagles. We last talked about the Wyverns because their manager had passed out in the dugout during a game. And it turns out that he's out for at least two months. So wow. this is really, it's really sad. You know, this, it's, it, we talked about how it, it's from his real internalized stress of this situation that they were such a stellar team last year and now they're not doing so well this year. So they said that he, uh, they're going to give him as much time as he needs. He still has pain on his left side, unclear what the actual diagnosis is, but two months is a bit of time. We also said last week that fans were coming back by now in Korea, but not so much because one city had a spike and they are monitoring these things. No way. They're paying attention. They're paying attention, but there's no outbreak with players. So they're paying attention. Things are happening. They're under control. So fans, not yet, maybe soon. Oh boy. All right. Well, over the next 
couple of days, over the next week, I'm going to be basically glued to the news to see, are we really going to have this season that was just announced a couple hours ago? I'm not confident. But in the meantime, I'm going to try to start watching some breakfast baseball again because I have missed it. And I think if I get on there real quick, I'll get a few games in before it's time for the monsoon break, right? There's barely a break. They have so many makeup games from before that there's barely a break. So it definitely depends on like how much rain there actually is at this time compared to before. But I think that they've ended up with like four days off or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good so, to know. All right. I'm ready to jump back in. What are you doing this week? I'm going to watch more breakfast baseball. That is, that is definitely my plan. Excellent. Well, my friends, feel free to catch up on some back episodes of No Crying in Baseball. Tell your friends if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about some baseball. If you have a chance to leave a review or a rating, we would appreciate it. Please do find us on social media. We'd love to talk to you. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Write us that long essay that you've just been having brewing for so long at NCIBpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, please wear your mask, stay inside, fight the man, and say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.